lot of work. Well, what if it was only half an hour whenever it worked for you? That would be great. The Read Along. It's a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. On a weekly journey through a good book. One one chapter chapter at a time. time. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts can be found. What are we going to do about these boys? In mid-January, a lot of us saw the pack of MAGA-wearing high school boys searing down a Native American drummer. Now that story is a complexity of different sides converging to have the voices heard. But the lasting image is of a young man with a smug look on his face, wearing a Make America Great hat, staring down a Native American elder and war veteran, Nathan Phillips. That young man, the same one who stared Mr. Phillips down, well, he got a chance to apologize on national TV, which he declined. What are we going to do with these boys? A lot of think pieces came out after the story erupted, and many focused on the social education of young men and of the work educators of all stripes need to do to create healthy role models for men. They will turn to the countless of organizations working with young men, next-gen men included, to help them not only help others, but to value what is within. Because the story is not about those young men disrespecting a Native American elder. It's that, but it's much bigger than that. It's a story about the many, many, many suffering young men and women and people. And especially with the young men, the challenges that they're going through. This is Modern Manhood. Modern Manhood is brought to you by Next Gen Men and the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. If you want to support Next Gen Men empowering young men and helping to shape the future of inclusivity in our community, please do so at patreon.com slash nextgenmen. Big shout outs to Michelle Berg at Elevated at HR who threw a lot of support at us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, if you want to support us, you can do too by going to patreon.com slash nextgenmen. I know that last year I didn't, it was not until really this past summer at camp that I kind of found myself as a person. And even in the past month and a half of school or two months of school, sorry, I lost that a few times. In uh, confidence is a really hard thing, but it takes confidence to say no. It's very easy to say yes. Uh, it's very easy to say yes when you feel like it's the only option that you have in order to get where you want to be socially or whatever. Say no. Say no to it. Make it be the one who makes a change. Because if that night I walked in to that room and stripped down to my underwear and got whacked with a broomstick, I don't think I would be the same person who I am now. For this episode, you're going to hear three voices. The one you just heard was of Shad, the star of the latest episode of Breaking the Boy Code, the phenomenal podcast by one of our Next Gen Men family, Jonathan Reed, an educator for boys in Next Gen Men, who I got the pleasure to talk to. So in the past, like I could, we could both list so many movies that have just like... Um, what you might call like a really traditional um, 
support, maybe you could say narrow, um, depiction of boyhood masculinity. So like one of the examples that first struck, that I remember striking me really hard was when I watched um, World War Z or World War Z, mm -hmm. where Brad Pitt is leaving um, his family to go fight the zombies, the zombie apocalypse. He has these tender moments with his two girls. Um, he like kisses them. He says he'll come back for them. He loves them. And then there's this boy who, granted, is not his own child, but this boy has just had both of his parents killed in front of him. So he's had a very traumatic experience. And Brad Pitt is the only adult, you know, lifeline that he has. And the loving goodbye that he gets from Brad Pitt. <laughs> whatever the actors, you know, the character's name. Um, but the loving response that he gets is a fist bump and something like take care of the girls. Mm. And for me, I was like, can we not, when I first saw that, I was like, can we not give him like a little more than that? Yeah. Yeah. I totally um, agree. And so that came out, you know, like a few years ago. So I'd say like, and, and now there's, and there's definitely indie movies that you can think of like mid nineties. There's, um, and then I go, there's, um, King Jack, like there's movies that are showing boys pain, that are showing boys um, with more complexity and nuance than, you know, and giving them that space. Um, but I'd say pushing that expansion of like what is allowed for boys into mainstream, because those are indie movies, like pushing them. I would say probably, like I haven't seen it yet, but like maybe into the Spider-Verse, you know, gives right. my life more than what, you know, traditional superheroes have been given in the past. And um, I know you mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, there's an episode in season five where um, the main character's desire is to run off and get in the midst of a big gunfight. And in the end, he, he uh, comforts his friends who are struggling with the same, you know, conflicting fear and desire to get involved. And so I don't know if I described that episode that well, but yeah, like pushing that into the mainstream that boys um, can see themselves like with more, um, emotional capacity rather than like just like the origin stories of superheroes right 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 to give them and a little then, bit more complexity right yeah and then to be able to use those stories to then further you know help them learn about you know emotional literacy or mental health and um so it it might become like a bit of like a um a thing that would grow on its own so again, I've never articulated that before. I'm not sure if I did that very well, but that's what's fine. Another is I've heard and seen boys' instincts to teach the younger boys. So um, yeah, like putting young adolescents, um, giving them the opportunity to, like, what would you say, right, to your seven-year-old self? Mm. And rather than just doing that hypothetically, like, let's have you send a message to the grade twos in your school mm -hmm. uh, or do a workshop or, you know, or have, you know, a buddy system and... I've been part of that in a couple of different um, spaces. Actually, for as long as I've been, you know, been involved in education, reading buddies has been like one of my favorite things about the mainstream education system. Um, but yeah, I've like seen boys mm -hmm. taking that leadership role and being like, yeah, like I'd love, you know, to have an impact on um, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old learning about like what it is to be a boy. If you give me the opportunity, I'll take it. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give you love, you know, and the love that I wish I could have gotten. So um, I think that's another you know, if I could dream for the future is that like, rather than us coming around to it when we're in our twenties, like we can just like support, you know, our young adolescents. The irony is, okay. So if these boys are lacking empathy, which you as a teacher or as an adult have clearly noted, then why aren't we empathetic towards them? Mm -hmm. This is Brendan Katowski, which you have heard already before in modern manhood. But what he said was very relevant to this topic. 
So I added him in. Why isn't our response immediately empathy as opposed to, oh, like, is there an age limit that we, like, just assume that people can't learn empathy anymore? <laughs> like, we might have to start back at the basics. And the basics is quite young. Like, you learn empathy at a very young age, like, between zero and two years old. But there's some great programs. I'm not sure if you've heard of Roots of Empathy. Yes, I've heard of where they of get, a great program. You're right. Yeah, where they just get um, elementary school age students to watch an infant and then they just uh, they just try to like comment and address the needs of the infant because it it starts turning their attention towards the needs of other people and right. it's often easier to do it with a baby but at the same time maybe one of the best ways to increase these boys' empathy is to respond to them empathetically so they actually mm. know what that feels like and then that can yeah I think that would do wonders yeah it's hard for me to be able to teach those lessons and say, go out in the world and make change without telling like other people, like the adults that say like, you have to support these kids to do that. They can't just do it by their own. Is that something that you feel too? Yeah. Like it's, it's so tough. Cause like they walk out of that safe space and walk right back into, um, yeah. Like, into- it's like the mouth of the lion, right? <laughs> Yeah, like I resonate with um, something that Michael Keeler said to me once. He was like, mm-hmm. well, I guess he was saying this like, yeah, like you, you, when you're making the choice to like confront um, like the dominant culture of like, yeah, what you'd call like patriarchy, right? Like you do that with your wise eyes, you do that with your eyes wide open and because um, you know the consequences and and he said and the reality is like not every space that you're in as a boy or as a young man is like a safe place where you can do that totally and that's reality. Um, totally. yeah so it's tough and i talk with my boys about what will be challenging like when we talk about like say, like doing the right thing like yeah. we I try to push them to try to have that really have that be a really honest conversation and be like well honestly like you know what would make that really difficult and how can you get beyond that and I guess like somewhere, I mean, talking to like teachers and administrators, like, you know, parents and getting the adults to support the boys is, is certainly um, worthwhile. But I also think that like, well, we both know that there's spaces that, you know, the teachers aren't watching. And yes. So another thing that I, that we try to do is, um, is build that self-awareness, that self-confidence so that a boy can um, be confident in standing up just and using his own voice as well as like strengthening boys' friendships so that if they are standing up and they can mm. feel a sense of trust that, you know, the kid next to him is going to stand up with him and have his back. I have been lucky enough to teach boys about healthy relationships at the junior high level. And I can tell that when you start to strip away that defensiveness that most boys have and that shield of masculinity and bravado, there's usually a compassionate and empathetic person hidden inside. But these ideas that you have to prove your masculinity have been ingrained in us for a long time. Every boy that I speak to, whether it's at camp, on the podcast, in these school-based programs, like they know the rules. That has not changed in the slightest. And they know it's the same rules that you and I knew 20 years ago. Yeah. But I'd say what's, what the wind of change is that often they'll say, yeah, this is the rule, like you've got to be strong, but then they'll say something like, but I don't really get that because blank. And, and so there's this like piece of like, you know, like I know what I've been told, but 
but I'm questioning it. And like, and, and that's not just for like strength, but like I've seen that them sort of like raise those questions in the context of um, like gay rights. They'll say, well, you're not supposed to be like gay, but like, I also like, but we're not like, but like, I, it's hard to describe, yeah. but like, yeah. So they'll like raise these rules, but then also like sometimes even in the same breath, we'll, um, we'll question them. And, yeah. um, and that's not to say that's happening for every boy in every community, but like, I definitely think that boys are like, um, now at age 12, like are <laughs> now I'm thinking of the word woke, but like, <laughs> yeah, they're just like, they're starting to like really, yeah, no, I get it. I totally get yeah, it. It's a question that kind of thing, whether they're like learning about like, you know, gender diversity to like, yeah, like race of sexual assault or like even just like what mental health is. Like those are all things that are in kids vocabulary and kids awareness. They're like, yeah, like I definitely, like if you think of like, if you, I don't know about you, but like when I think of my own like elementary school education, like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) you know, nobody was talking about that. Is the idea that you always have to show your dominance as a guy. That kind of toxic form of dominance toxic form of dominance that I mentioned earlier comes from insecurities within. It comes from a need to always be the best when because you feel like you have to live up to something rather than just being yourself, being your confident self. Like one of the things for me that kind of really just as a guy made me feel better about myself was when I I used to be best friends with a guy. And when I felt like I could be like, yeah, I love you, man. Like being able to say that to a guy who you're friends with, straight, gay, bi, whatever you are, being able to say that does so much for your just emotional kind of stance on where you have to be as a person. Having good, proper, healthy relationships with other guys and girls is a big thing that plays into uh, figuring out how you can be, like figuring out how you can be dominant in a healthy way. Like not in that toxic, like I have to be on top, I have to be the best because if I'm not, I'm not. I'm less of a man if I'm not. Paula Simons has been a journalistic force in Edmonton for decades and a pillar to our community. Now that she's moved to the Senate as an independent, I kind of want to know what that transition feels like. Well, the Will Endowed podcast wants to know as well. So they got a chance to talk to Paula on their new episode about moving to the Senate. And you can find it wherever you find your awesome podcast. Just look for the Well Endowed Podcast. Or you can go to do that by going to the wellendowedpodcast.com. So that's wellendowedpodcast.com. Looking into what is the fear for boys is interesting to me. Because they are, and in some cases remain, the same fears I had when I was a young boy. There's a belief, a thought, that once you reach a certain age or hit a certain event, you become a man. The fear is that we will never reach that stage. So we end up trying to create our own script from others, so-called men that we see. That script can and most likely includes violence. And the other part of that script is that we cannot be weak, which means we cannot be emotional. It's really what happened at camp, which was uh, first night I walked into the cabin with the older kids and 
they grabbed onto me and told me to strip down my underwear and they're yanking on me and I was like no I'm not doing that and I just got my hand my wrist out of one kid's hand and started smacking the other kid on the hand to get out and then I get out and I hear them saying don't be like him don't be like him he's not cool like stuff like that right uh at first it was a bit of fear but not really fear from the sense that like I was scared for my well-being because obviously I didn't get to a point where they had me stuck in a room with them but it was fear as like I've never seen this before what the hell is this type of deal like it was kind of really in my face like holy crap like what yeah uh and then after that it was a bit of like a it was kind of a like really they think that because I didn't do something stupid because I didn't strip down to my underwear and face a wall and do whatever they told me be their bitch essentially because I didn't do that I'm not cool or I'm not chill or I shouldn't be accepted and I learned very quickly that uh, it's totally bullshit that like you're not going to be accepted because you didn't get hazed like it was it was very much a but it was very much a new experience like really random kind of like this happens like holy crap like, this has to stop type of deal yeah when you were ex- when you repress emotions they're going to come up in some form or another yeah. and most most often for males the scripting says that anger is the more acceptable emotion for that to come out as Whereas then if you unpack what anger is, um, most of anger is called a secondary emotion because anger roots from some other mm-hmm. deep pain or loss. And so you have a lot of men who are angry or have anger. Um, like the boys that I worked with in the study, they were the reason why they have behavioral needs most often and why boys in schools get diagnosed with behavioral needs is because they f- get in fights or they're physically violent. And so they are no strangers to anger. Yeah. Well, in the moment, what's holding you back is it's fear. It's fear of like, if you say something, they're going to try and hurt you. Or if you say something, they're going to get even more angry. There's a lot of emotions in the moment. It's like, you're scared. You're all tense. Like, you're thrown off. That make you want to just kind of not say anything and then just like run, not be involved. Everyone's afraid of the same thing. Everyone's afraid to stand up because they feel like if they stand up, no one else is going to stand up with them. They think that if they do, they're not going to fit in. They're not going to, they don't have a second chance with these people who they want to be friends with, who really, if they're, if these people have such high standards to be friends with them and that they have to put themselves on the line in such a way, why be friends with them? It, it's, it very much comes from a deep down kind of insecurity. And, uh, it's, I know because I've had it. Like, I've felt before that I don't fit in. Even last year at school, like, I felt like I didn't fit in with the guys. That's why, like, I only hung out with girls really last year because I couldn't fit in with the guys. And it was because I had a bit of this insecurity that if they were doing something that I don't kind of connect with, like, I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't, I don't want to be a snitch. (laughs) 
and there's so 90, 92%. That's like a big number. That's a, that's more than I would think, but no, it definitely comes from just the desire to be cool, to be liked is not telling people about it. And it's kind of messed because a lot of those things, we just assume that social emotional learning will happen naturally yeah. as you grow up. And that's, I think one of the biggest things my research uh, found that was lacking is that these boys don't have the emotional intelligence or emotional skills that you would expect a 16 year old to have at, at the time. And so the second most important thing that we taught or what they thought was the most important thing that they learned was a lot around emotional intelligence. And that was, I got a counselor to come in and talk about what are emotions mm. and and that was that we ended up spending two sessions basically just on that because their level of understanding it took that long to kind of reiterate oh these these are the types of emotions that there are there's more than just angry happy <laughs> bored yeah numb or just like meh i'm okay yeah <laughs> and that was a huge revelation to these boys that like one knowing what emotions are mm. and then getting them to assess what emotions they're feeling at a given time because a lot of these boys describe all of a sudden they think that they're fine and then all of a sudden for no reason they go into uncontrollable rage and so one of our big keys in our program was to try to get them to figure out try to like listen to their body to realize oh my hands are starting to clench my muscles are getting tighter blood's rushing to my face or all of these signs that could show them oh i'm at a heightened level of emotions so that this is not going to be great and I need to find ways to regulate that to get back inside um, what's called a window of tolerance. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Oh, can you explain a little bit yeah, more it's this con- Yeah, for sure. It's this concept so that if you think of like a window, yeah. um, that's where you are the you have the optimal level of emotional regulation when you're in your window of tolerance. Um, you can have highs and lows within that, but like generally speaking, you can make kind of rational decisions within that and when you get triggered in in terms of like something really angers you off you start to get escalated and that's called hyper arousal and you get agitated and then the blood flow would start going away from your prefrontal cortex start going to the more reptilian part of your brain and then you get into the fight flight or freeze mode right and then if you go below your window of tolerance that's essentially more of the freeze mode um, that's kind of when you see people like zoning out and numbing behaviors. So people go on their phones. Um, I think we we live in a culture that definitely increases our levels of of zoning out. Yeah. But kind of hypo arouse is like lethargic. Um, people often confuse it as being lazy, but that could be a way of dealing with stress. And so on those extremes, hyper arousal or hypo arousal, you can't do your optimal functioning in those stages. So. It's important to recognize when you're outside of your window. And that was important for these boys to recognize when they're outside of their windows Mm. and then realize, okay, nothing really effective is going to happen if I operate outside those windows. So I need to figure out some sort of resource, some sort of helpful thing that I can do so I can get back in my window and then I can deal with my emotion. Yeah, like often they have like that moment, like mid-adolescence where... Um, friendship starts to shift and, 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 um, or they experience betrayal or they experience like the growth of a romantic relationship and, and the friendships that they relied on at a younger age start to shift. And, um, I've seen that in boys that I've known like over the last 
you know, several years as they've grown older, um, those things start to move for them. The kids in my, like in my school programs, um, I'd say it's a little bit harder to say because they're not like I'm not necessarily seeing them with their best friends. Right. Um, I'm seeing them, you know, in the community, in the space that we've created. Um, and, I, and I'm not, so I don't know. So it's a little hard to say for, for the kids that I'm with. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely like the conversations that I'm like, that I'm giving them space to have, like are not conversations that you, that you'd have, you know, with a group of friends and maybe you would have like in your friend's basement while you're playing a video game. But like, um, I think the level of vulnerability and um, I guess I'd say depth that, that make a really strong friendship um, can be hard to find when you're, when your friendship like revolves around like your baseball team or your Fortnite <laughs> duo. And um, yeah, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, 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 I don't know that I like that, like that, that naturally, like every human just like has so much like need for and desire for it. And yeah. unfortunately boys get the message that like, like, you know, that's a girl thing and like talking about emotions, that's a girl thing. And like, and, right. that and, and whatever, they experience some sort of like, yeah, hurt. And then they, you know, they stop reaching for it. You can only boil water for so long until there's nothing left. And then the pot melts. And as soon as a pot melts, then you have a f- house fire, and that's when you go mentally crazy. Saying all of this, I have a lot of hope for the future of this generation. It seems like they get it. And I know the incidents with the Covington boys that we just talked about at the start of this podcast, and recently in Canada about the St. Michael boys. They may seem like we're going backwards. I don't know, but I don't believe that. For every one boy that raises, um, often in like a you know like a tentative way, like a homophobic belief or like a, like a a belief that's like stigmatizing mental illness, like something like that. For every one boy that brings that, like two boys will will correct him. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I guess just like there are. There are, there's definitely obviously a spectrum. <laughs> it's not like every, you know, young person is like hella on board with, you know, with like <laughs> progressive views, but like, yeah, yeah, there's like really, there's really like young people that are, that are, that are learning and, and willing to like sort of bring those topics and teach the other people around them. There's quite a few areas, but the two that the boys said, help them the most because I did X interviews with them at the end of right. the intervention. So the two things that they thought was the most useful, um, one, we had a guest speaker come in from an organization, organization called Safe Teen. I'm not sure if you ever heard of them. No. Um, I think they're, they're UBC based. So okay. another, um, another Canadian organization. Yeah. Um, and so they had a guest speaker come in and he did a bunch of role plays with the students mm. and he showed them that there's a way to de-escalate a fight situation where you don't have one of two options. You don't have to end up resorting to fighting to prove yourself, and you don't have to be seen as a pussy, in their words. Right. So a lot of these boys at the end, they're like, I didn't even know that there was an option to not fight someone. Mm. When someone came up and approached me and was had a beef with me and wanted to fight... I didn't even know there's a third option where I can be assertive and be still 
still have strength without having to fight and or without having to cower away. I think boys' parents are talking more to them about um, about sexual assaults and about yeah and about gender equality. Um, some interesting sort of anecdotes is that I've done. I've talked with boys um, or I've done like an experiential activity with boys about like statistics um, that are related to like misogyny related to feminism and that kind of thing. And usually they under, they guess like under. So for example, one of the most interesting statistics is what, um, what percentage of the top 100 grossing movies in I think 2014 in Hollywood had a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and usually they're like, "Hmm, like around 50, like 40%. And the answer is 12 out of the top 100 and so usually they're like they're they're you know they think things are more progressive than they are if that yeah. makes sense but what yeah, the yeah, yeah. That, that they consistently are way off on and the other direction is rates of sexual assault they often think it's um in terms of the question being like how many women um in canada are going to experience sexual violence in their lifetime and the answer is um, if i'm not mistaken one out of three yeah and um and they think it's closer to like 90 percent um, mm. which, but it, and that's the only statistic that they're, they're, you know, they're so far off in the opposite direction. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is totally interesting. And it might be a fluke. I only have done it, you know, like under 10 times. Um, but that's something that like stood out to me. And yeah. I've also heard boys talk, having like boys saying, Oh, my parents told me this, like when we were talking about, um, hazing or sexual assault, like the boys have had conversations with their parents that are, seem to be like meant to be preventative that are about like consequences of, um, like doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or being part of like, you know, a sexual assault or sexual violence or hazing. And, and um, their parents say like, Oh, like you gotta be careful. You gotta protect yourself and that kind of thing. Um, having probably seen, you know, other people have their histories and their past mistakes, you know, brought to the forefront. So those are like two things that I've seen is that like, yeah, boys are, it seems like parents and families are talking about these kinds of things because boys have a different um, sort of take on them than they used to. Masculinity itself or toxic masculinity questions its own masculinity, which is why it constantly needs to be proved. And so I think I question my own masculinity in the sense of, am I man enough Mm. like throughout my life? And other people definitely question my masculinity. I think most people in some ways question that if I interpret the question as questioning if I'm man enough in all of these areas. Yeah. But but it was also is interesting. There's still a part of me that like the first thing that comes into my head when you said that question is, oh, has anyone asked if I'm gay? Yeah. Is that's what actually how I first interpreted it. And since doing this work and being getting a bit more outspoken on this topic, I have had that question a couple times. Um, and I appreciate the question because I I think it's important um, for people to be honest about what questions they have for me. Right. So yeah, I've been asked like. Have, did you ever wonder if you were gay because you seem like you have you're more in touch with your emotions and emotions is a big key element of the work that you do and you're a big proponent of emotional intelligence so like did you ever wonder if you're gay and my answer to that is no I actually never did and I never and I think it's interesting that just because I am a I'm a big fan of emotions but just because I'm a big fan of emotions doesn't change my sexual orientation right and and there's no, there wasn't a correlation there, um, but it's interesting that we or that people who ask that question assume that there's such a strong correlation that oh if he's if he's emotional he must wonder about his sexuality. Totally. And so, yeah, I I haven't. Yeah. Is the honest answer. Yeah. Like as a guy, you're told to hold back your emotion, and 
I know that I sure as hell do it, and I know that every other guy who I know does it, and if that means channeling your emotion through making a joke out of it, or through putting someone else down, that's something that, unfortunately, as a guy, you tend to do. And hazing can be very emotionally straining, and that's why you might not want to bring it up again. I don't think the the kids who were who had the misfortune to have been uh, so brutally hazed at uh, St. Michael's would want to talk about it because it's that's scarring. Like that's hard to channel on emotion. Something that you'd want to put on a back burner and never think about. For some of them, for sure. You know, like one boy said to me, like I never, I never talked that much about it. You know, about blank topic and like. He's like, whoa, I got to process. Right. You know, kind of where I ended up with that. And like, because I ask, sometimes I ask questions that are like, we talk about their experience, but we also talk a bit about just the masculinity in general. And they, when they're kind of put on the spot in that respect, they, um, a couple different times have like, just sort of thought out loud. And, um, and so it's like, yeah, it's been a privilege to sort of hear them starting to talk about like well okay well like how do I identify myself as masculine and like you know like where does that fit and like what messages I've been told so yeah I mean like it's it's you know an hour or two it's like a small conversation but mm-hmm. um, it's it's um, a couple times that I can think of it's like it's had an impact on their own thinking and it's also often they're like really excited to be part of the conversation right um, right yeah yeah yeah, like the boy that I just recorded a couple of days ago was. Or they like they thank me, right? They're like, thank you, you know, for this opportunity. I'm like, well, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, you know, for yeah, totally part of it. But yeah, so they're like excited to you know to have their voices heard. To... Big thank you to Jonathan Reed for talking to me and also to allow me to use the clips of his amazing podcast, Breaking the Boy Code. You can hear that podcast at breakingtheboycode.com or you can find it wherever you find your awesome podcast. Brendan Katowski's projects can be found at remasculate.com. So that's R-E-M-A-S-C-U-L-A-T-E.com or you can just look up his name. I'll also put this all in the show notes. All episodes of Mar Manhood are archived at marmanhood.org or you can just find us wherever you find your awesome podcast. On the next Modern Manhood, we're going to continue this topic about boys. So hopefully you'll join us then. See you next time on Modern Manhood.